Welcome to the Rise of the Challenge podcast. Joining you today, he's an entrepreneur, podcast host, and author. It's Kawan Karadagi. How are you doing today, Kawan? Hey, Alex. Good, man. Thanks uh, for having me on, and I'm doing great. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up. Thanks, man. I, I, was, um, I was actually born in Romania. I was raised in France, moved to Virginia, believe it or not, so quite the journey. And, um, you know, a lot of mischief and um, uh, adventures. I loved, you know, going and exploring and doing things when I was younger. Um, you know, in academics, I, school was, was good. I learned a lot of things I needed to learn. However, I, I wasn't too involved or too, um, I didn't apply myself, as they say, right? So, um, growing up, it was, it was all about, you know, learning and exploring the world, seeing what's out there. And I think that's kind of where I, I kind of found, like, I just wanted to be this person that was always learning. So at a young age, I kind of knew that. What age did you move to the United States? It was about it was seven years old. Is there anything that you remember that played a big part in your life living in Romania or France that you kind of keep to you today? You know, that's a great question. I think in Romania, France, I learned the value of relationships, right? And, you know, my, my mother and father divorced when I was younger, and it was, uh, it was tough to see that. Um, and I learned at a young age then as well was that I didn't, the things that happened weren't necessarily, you know, I, I didn't, wasn't my fault or I wasn't a part of that. And so I learned to, to, to think more independently at, the, at that young age, to, to not try and take on responsibility for things being, you know, either my fault or in that. So I just remember thinking that and, and being kind of ahead of that. When you came over to the United States, was family still a big part where you kind of had to kind of build that relationship with both sides, even though you were with divorced parents? Yeah, you know, my dad and I, we connected I want to say in early, my early teens there when he reached out and I went to go visit him in France again. So we were kind of rebuilding that relationship. Um, and my mom's side of the family was all, you know, scattered at that point, but then they moved there eventually as well. So I was really close to my mom and, and my grandma growing up, my grandfather as well. So I was fortunate enough to have them. And I always picked up from people that I met, you know, mentors, and I call everybody that I learned something from a mentor, you know, because they're all teachers in some way. So, um, you know, I was always a a learner in that regard. So the family part was important because it um, allowed me to pick up Kurdish fluently and, and learn that uh, language fluently. So I was only speaking French and Romanian at the time and moving to Virginia, you know, obviously English is the primary language. So that was interesting, but I learned, um, you know, English fluently and Kurdish fluently and then forgot Romanian and French, go figure. Right. <laughs> so the, um, uh, it was, it was good because I, I connected to the culture, you know. You talked about when you were growing up that you didn't apply yourself much. Was there something that maybe kind of happened for that reasoning and you kind of didn't have that opportunity or did it just take some time to get used to and then over time you're able to kind of break out of that shell you know when I was you know in in France Romania they they were education was a little bit different if you didn't get something you got you got smacked right so I, I was I don't know if that was a combination of anything but um I just remember when I moved that I had like a learning disability um, growing up when I was younger. So I was um, in in classes where I couldn't really focus or pay attention, a lot of energy. So I just remember when that one-on-one attention was there, I learned very, very well. And that's just kind of what I needed. It was the environment that I was in that wasn't kind of providing that for me. So I, I had to have that learning style um, or, or learning adaptation figured out. So I think for me, it was, it was more the one-on-one that I benefited from. And I think for people in general, it's, it's so important to understand the meta learning or, or what's the best environment for you to learn in. So um, I think that was, that was the important part for me was learning to navigate that and then finding something that you like to do, you know, because uh, some of the stuff that didn't really apply and I didn't really, you know, appreciate. But then once I found what I wanted to do, it all made sense. 
I think especially at that age, it's kind of the time for people to just try a little bit of everything. Don't kind of stick to one thing and be like, okay, this is the only thing I'm going to do. And we see that with athletes or people with musicals or in that kind of theater, they kind of stick to that and they enjoy it so much, but they don't get to enjoy other things. And I know when I was younger, I wanted to just try things, just go out and do it because it's not like, okay, this is my job. I have to do this now. So I just kind of enjoyed that. When you fast forward to now, you talked about how you preferred that one-on-one learning. Do you kind of utilize that with like when you're learning from a mentor or working with clients or things like that? that one-on-one kind of tool helps you a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, the, the most, the easiest way to put it, I think the recent experience I had with it is I, I was going rock climbing with my, my girlfriend now, and we basically, she kicked my butt one day, right? And I, was, <laughs> I got a little upset and I was like, man, you know, I, I got to get better. And I was looking for all these, you know, different tools and things to do. And I realized that I didn't really have those. Right. So <clears throat> I said, I asked myself, excuse me, I said, what's the, what's the fastest way I can, I can learn how to do that. And um, so I just remember I, I looked, you know, I found a trainer there and a coach and then, you know, I just hired him and he just walked me through and step by step. And I just remember um, learning through those experiences like that. And and that's what I need. I need that, that immersion where I'm kind of in there learning and then going, learning as I go, taking the principles from it and just having that time to, to be able to learn. So just a little bit more uh, taking your time with the learning, if that makes sense, so that you're allowed to um, experience what that's like. And, you know, it, it helped me tremendously. So um, I went back and I got her on a few, so it, it paid <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, the, uh, you know, it was, it was good. So I think, I think so. I think everyone can benefit from, from just that, concentrated um environment where you're you know it's all on you the intentions for you and to and to learn and the focus is on you I think people need that was that kind of like you had that fun competitiveness with her where you just wanted to have fun competing not like okay I have to beat her because I don't want to feel embarrassed or things like that was that kind of that mindset more fun than kind of angry competitiveness yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it's hard to say as, as the com- competitive side is something that I definitely have and differentiating that between, you know, the fun aspect is, is so important. So at first it was, it was a competitive thing. And then what I said was, okay, um, I got to basically, you know, I got to learn how to use this instrument, right? This is a fun activity. And, you know, the competitiveness became with myself and my, um, my ego, if you will, right? So it's like, okay, learn how to, you know, work with this thing, right? Because you can't get upset when you've, you don't do something right, you got to learn how to work with this, right? And, and learn how to navigate that or wrestle that, if you will, mm-hmm. is one of the most important things you can do. Um, and I think that translates back to in school kind of what happened there because I, you know, if you don't, if, if it's not perfect or if you're not doing great and you start to think that it's on your ability rather than your, your effort. Right. So in, in Carol Dweck uh, growth mindset is a great example of that book. I loved it because of that it was, it's effort-based and, but if you're not giving yourself a chance to put the effort in, then you'll never get it. And you'll think you're not talented enough, but I just don't think that that's true. I think with effort and, and, um, and time you can, you can do that. Growing up, did you have someone that inspired you or you wanted to kind of pursue like growing up? You know, my family, my mom was, was always a, a role model that I, I kept my standards high because I saw her doing things. Um, my dad had a great work ethic, you know, um, and I think growing up, uh, you know, Rocky Balboa, that mm-hmm. movie, <laughs> Rocky two was something that I aspired to. I loved it. Um, and fitness and exercise was something that, that kind of sparked or, or planted a seed for me, if you will. So, um, you know, just being able to, to train and work on yourself and improve yourself. So that, that kind of gave me, um, the inspiration. And I think, um, you know, being able to, to want to be a little bit better each day, I think was, was the main thing. So, um, mentors and, and role models, uh, helped guide me and, and tell me, you know, what was the right path. So, I think learning from, from everyone, you know, 
basically was cumulative in that process there. So um, mom, dad, a few mentors there and a few role models that taught me, you know, personal training and all that. So that, that helped a lot. I think a lot of people listening should take, I do that same thing. Every single person I come in contact with that's in my life, I kind of learn something from them, something that they do that's unique, that has helped them grow. And I kind of see how can I adapt myself into that way? And I just see so much positivity and growth out of that, that it helps me become the better, the best version of myself. So I like how you're mentioning that you take you kind of do something similar where each person you kind of look at them and see the qualities and you kind of utilize those skills. Absolutely. I think everyone has so many good things you can learn from. And, you know, I was voracious at it in the beginning. And then now I kind of try to, you know, be selective because there's so much to learn and there's so much information. So I'm like, okay, this person's there and then there's inspiration all around us. So it's, I I like doing that. I like picking up from people and, and learning from them and, and, and utilizing it because, you know, man, everyone's a teacher out there, right? Everyone yeah. has experiences, things they went through. And um, if it can help even by a little bit, I, I use it. So Sometimes we're asked, what is that dream job we are wanting to pursue? So I'm going to ask that. Did you have a dream job that you were wanting to go for growing up? Man, you know, not at all. I was, uh, I was a directionless for a majority of my life up until my mid twenties, so mid or late twenties, I was, um, I smoked, you know, a pack a day cigarettes. I, I drank and partied and hung out with people, right. And I wouldn't say the wrong crowd, but people that just weren't, you know, pushing the needle in the direction of kind of where I wanted to go. And, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I, I, you know, it was, it was a mentor that suggested acting to me a long time ago. And then I, I, I looked into that and I thought it was brilliant because you could be so many different people. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I didn't want to be tied down to one thing. And that, that helps, uh, to kind of find myself more and explore myself more and, and learn so much about the world and the way that it works. So, uh, it, it never really, dawned on me that so I I followed that and in the pursuit of that I found you know working out fitness and then I became a a personal trainer so it was you know funny but I look back on those Rocky films and I became the guy that was training Rocky right and it was uh it was interesting because I was I was his trainer right and uh I thought wow maybe it was telling me something and and that's when I, I kind of put the pieces together so it was it was in that not getting to that place of what I wanted to do was actor you know and acting is great to love it but finding it through that and you just never know so the most the the takeaway from it is to like you know to keep tinkering with things keep trying like you said try a bunch of different things and then eventually you you land on something where you kind of like you find something there Mm -hmm. right but i encourage people to be proactive in that approach you know do the do the strength finder test you know by by clifton strengths finder do the personality test talk to people and, and coaches and so that you can like subtract that time. So it doesn't take as long to find what that is, you know, cause it's there. It's just a lot of digging, man. You know, were the two lifestyles, the health and fitness side, but the partying, the smoking, the drinking, did it kind of clash or did you have to make a sacrifice where you had to only do one because it's not healthy to have that kind of party lifestyle, but also trying to be healthy and fitness at the same time. Yeah, it was, uh, I was torn between those sides because I love to hang out and, and go out and stuff like that. And, but there was also this side of me that, you know, was, was telling me I could do better. I could do more and doing martial arts growing up, it, it, it instilled that discipline in me at a young age. So when I, when I started getting more serious, when it was about a couple months in, I, I left all that behind, you know, I, I had made, um, and I, I tell this and talk about it as well is, you know, the, the power of a decision, right? You know, you, at some point you have to make a decision where you're, you're going to say, I, I want to do this and I, I want to, you know, do it more than anything else. And I'm willing to do what it takes to, to make that happen. Um, and that's where it kind of hit me, where I had to leave that stuff behind and say, if you, if you want to commit to this, if you want to succeed in, in working out and, 
you know, achieving some sort of success in, in fitness, you got to, you got to commit and pursue it. And that's when I, I decided on that. So, and that's when that divide happened. Before you got into personal training, were you someone that was fit athletic already, or was this an opportunity to kind of see what you're able to do and kind of find new sets of skills or find new uh, goals that you could reach for yourself in that kind of industry? Yeah, it was, um, I had been working out for about three or four years and then I got into a kind of fork in the road where I had to figure out if I was going to be a struggling actor for the rest of my life or move back to um, Virginia and see what I was going to do. And it it was just a perfect storm in the moment that I found it in there and I I started pursuing it. So I had the workout experience, but I didn't have the um, scientific or empirical educational background, if you will. So I, uh, I learned that I got certified and that's when, you know, the experience and the education came together. So, and that's what helped tremendously. I think, I think anybody has to have those two to, to have, um, a good, you know, valuable position in anything you do. You got to have experience and you got to have, uh, education. I think those two are, are key. As a personal trainer, when did you kind of see that, okay, I'm enjoying this career path, I see success, but maybe is there another direction I want to go in my career? Yeah, the, the personal training, it can, it's long days, long hours. So I was, I was doing it for about four and a half years full time, you know, 60 hour work weeks, love doing it. And it taught me so much about psychology, biology, human behavior, you know, um, man, I mean, nutrition, ability, and it, you just, you learn a lot. And it, it gets to a point where you, you, you continue to grow, but I think it becomes less challenging, right? So mm-hmm. from there, it was like, okay, I, you know, what's the next step? And it, it was running the, the business side of it, which led to, you know, owning, um, you know, uh, about five, anytime fitness franchises that, that helped me understand fitness on a larger scale, right? So helping people with, with health and fitness. And it, it did get to a point where it was, I stepped to management level. And then I think that continued growth is key, right? Because you get to a point where you master it enough, and then it's time to, to move on to the next thing. So, um, I, and I think people feel that, but they kind of just go against that and stick with it because it's comfortable, but it was very difficult for me to leave that. But I, I knew that if I wanted to grow, it was something I had to do. What was the hardest thing to be on the business side of working in that industry? I think one of the most challenging things was understanding, getting away from the structure part of your day and the um, systematic way things are done, right? And in training, you have a schedule, you have Mm -hmm. the way things are, and you have a little more freedom of your schedule. But in business, it's not that way. You have to, you you have to, you know, there's no real off on and off switch. You're always on. And then your schedule gets messed up because things pop up that are out of the ordinary. So having the flexibility of, of um, unlearning the things that you knew to learn new things was, was, was challenging in the beginning, but um, you know, sticking with it, showing up, eventually I got to learn this new language of it. So um, understanding math was, was a challenge as far as like, you know, crunching numbers, if it made sense and um, you know, decision-making. So you just have more responsibility. So you have to, you have to just, there's no real easy way. You just have to like practice doing it and you just got to, you got to keep doing it. And then you make mistakes as you go and, and learning from them. And, and then you just, you just get better over time. I think, I think it's a, there's no real shortcut, you know, um, you can apprentice somewhere for a year, two years, be an intern. I think that's in itself, that's that time experience. Right. So I think that that, that was key was just sticking with it long enough to learn those things and then apply what you learn. Do you feel if you just did the personal training part, but never got into the business side that the things that you learned on the business side, it would have not helped uh, in future career parts in your life now. So like saying that business side, you learn so much new information, new skills, new kind of styles that it's helped you grow as an entrepreneur over time. If you didn't do that. 
if I so basically if I didn't do the personal training side, jump straight into the business. Yeah. So if yeah. you just stayed at the personal training part. Yeah. No. You know, it's. I would say I had to do that to to learn the other and vice versa, right? So when I when I was a trainer, I think the the number one thing that I was excited about was getting people um, results, right? Was getting seeing someone's face when they had achieved something. I, I just remember I felt so good about it. And after a while, when you become a better and better and or more effective trainer, you, you start to look at the the numbers side of things, right? And then you get lost in that and you get lost in the numbers and you think that that's the importance of it, but it's never really that way because that is like, uh, it, it, you can't, you know, put a feeling on that, right? Um, it's, there's not a connection with a profit and loss document. It's great. It's great. Don't get me wrong. Seeing, seeing that, but I think, you know, and I've always been the guy that just walked the floors of, of gyms and even till this day is connect with people in, on the floor because that's where that's where life is. That's where life's happening. It's it's happening there on the benches, on the on the on the weight room floor with the, with the human beings around it. So I think that I couldn't be where I am without going through that because I had to experience those things and understand how to manage my business, which was me because I was the trainer. And then that helped me manage something bigger and then something bigger after that. So I think it's all steps that you do. And um, even when I had the business going, I would train um, certain hours of the day. And it eventually got to the point where I was like, I, I got to step away because I was missing a lot of things that happened. So I think they go hand in hand, you know. A lot of people can relate where if they're a client at a gym that they're having a bad day or struggling, it's hard for them to keep themselves motivated. How are you able to work with those clients and keep them motivated during like challenging times or things that they're going through? They're not hitting their results or because a lot of times people wish that the results just happen like that, but we all know it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Exactly. And I think, you know, to connect with that is the easiest thing I try to say is make things very, very small and achievable, right? Is, is get real small little wins in, under your belt each day. And that way you'll build that momentum over time and you'll build that efficacy and, and you'll likely to stick with it. I'm very, you know, <clears throat> practical when it comes to that. So I can't teach someone to to want something. Right. But I, I ask questions and I ask them to, to get to that resolve and get to that understanding on their own of, of why they're doing what they're doing. Right. Why, why are we working out? Why are we showing up to the gym and, and, and getting the, this, this hard work? Cause it's not the funnest of things, but you feel better when you're done. And I think, you know, changing the way that you are feeling in that moment is one of the easiest ways to do that is through physical activity, you know, and I've always been a proponent of that. And, and I think I channeled a lot of my energy into that, um, that I kind of just, I just worked things out. Right. I went to the gym, I worked out, I came back, I got a little bit more inspirational peace of mind that I was able to overcome next obstacle. Right. And I think for me, it was, it was helping people connect to that feeling of, Hey, it doesn't have to be this big thing. And anything is better than nothing, right? And then momentum builds on top of that. So it was just simplifying and making it easy. You know, you don't have to do the 30, 40, 50 minute walk. Going to go five minutes and then just walk away. It's done after that. And then having that ability for them to say, okay, well, I can do that. And leading them and having them adhere to that was key. I think those small goals are the best tools because I think we all have those big visions. We want to lose 50 pounds, a hundred pounds, but you need those small goals to make sure that you hit that big goal. And I know I've been through that journey. I was at a time where I'm like, I need to change, just change how I'm living, working out, eating all that. And it's been a year since I started that journey and I've seen so much progress. And to me, it's given me a sense of confidence and even my friends and family have noticed it. It just, it's more positive. And then you kind of think, okay, what else can I do? Like, how else can I challenge myself? It goes with how my title of my show, Rise to the Challenge. I take that challenge and I'm going to do anything to get there. And it's basically all that mental. It's a mental warfare. If you 
if it battles you, it's going to affect in your progress. But I just enjoy it. I mean, even if it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, if I do it two times a week, I'm still making a progress one way or another. I love that, man. And that's exactly it. It, it makes you feel better. And like you said, you what else can I do? And that's that right there is, is great. And I think it just has so much to do with, you know, sometimes we just have to kind of stop thinking, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and exercise allows for that opportunity to be in the moment, focus on the task at hand, which is the workout. And you don't, you don't allow yourself to overthink things, overanalyze things. You get to come back and say, all right, I've let this thing defragment a little bit. I have a little more insight on what that is. And you find it. And I thought that was, that was a beautiful thing because when you're, when you can't connect to that, you can't go to that other side. It's, it's very difficult. It's very hard. And, and things become too challenging where you you're just caught up in your head the whole time yep. where uh, you can't, you can't really get by. So I think working out and any type of physical thing is one of the easiest ways to get there. Did you ever get burned out through this process or through this fitness career or were you so motivated each day that it never happened to you? Man, a great question. Absolutely. I, I went through um, a lot of burnout and it didn't kick in. It should have kicked in a little earlier. And I think I just kind of smothered it. Right. Um, But I I worked about, so I had a restaurant job at the time and I was doing personal training full time. So I was working sometimes like 15 hour days, 16 hour days. And, um, and then the other days were always 12 to 14 hour days as well. And then the doubles was what led to the 16. So I, uh, you know, about three years of that, And eventually I started to get to a place where it just wasn't um, healthy. You know, I, I would get, when I wasn't doing anything, I I found it, I found it hard to to shut off, to, to slow down, to do, to stop. Um, And the, you know, anxiousness, right. A lot of anxiety, uh, depression would come in on days where I wasn't doing anything because I, I thought I had to work, you know, I had to do something important with my time. And, so I absolutely went through that. And then it's when I, you know, I, it was 2017 when I lost, um, you know, my dad passed away and I, I kind of saw his, his life and I loved him. And he basically was working all the time. And, and, I, and I saw myself doing the same thing and, and, and going through just, you know, a lot of fatigue, a lot of stress. And I, there was nothing more I wanted more than to become a master personal trainer. And then once I got there, I just didn't really know how to turn it off. So eventually I started learning more and more about like scaling it back, turning it back. And, um, you know, even to this day, I, I sometimes struggle, but I, I've learned to slow down, right? Because that's when you, you become more effective when you do that. So it's just like fitness, right? Who, who figured, right? Who knew? Um, you can't work out all the time, right? So you yeah. got <laughs> you to you go to sleep at some point and that's when you recover. And that's where I learned that kind of in fitness, what I learned is, is that and to apply it in life and it's paid off big time. So yeah, I struggled with that, man. I, I got burnt out, um, you know, no social life, no nothing. And I just had to kind of find and navigate my way through that and um, talking to a therapist, you know, meditation. So I do mindfulness meditation every day and just sort of connect back to that place where, you know, it's not all about work because that's not mm-hmm. what life is, you know, life is, about being happy and whatever happiness means for you and and achievement is important, but it can't be a hundred percent achievement. I think that's, yes. I know people that their life is all about work and I thinking you got to have fun somehow. Like I always tell myself from eight to five, that's my work time. I'm focused on that. Once that clock hits, I'm enjoying social life, my life, what I want to do. And even the show is what I do on the after hours. It's fun to me. It's not, it doesn't feel like work because you learn so much. I get to meet so many great people. And I think people need to find that, find something fun to enjoy because it gets your mind off of working the assignment or a project, even with school, like 
don't think about school. And I think that was something that even when I was in college struggled with, because it's like, okay, I got to get this project done. I got to get this assignment. And then it's like, oh, I can't hang out with my friends because nope, I got to do the schoolwork. And I kind of, I think it only took me till my senior year where I'm like, no, it's got to change. What's the biggest lifestyle change you made to kind of take your mind off of work for things? Like you mentioned the meditation and stuff like that, but was it maybe scaling back on how many franchises you owned or gyms you worked at and did something else at the same time? You know, there was, I think it was, it was a combination of things, right? Um, I think the number one most important thing that helped me, that was the easiest thing to do was to talk to somebody about what's going on, right? Um, hearing yourself talk and, and hearing that is key because that um, provides you with the, the relief of, of connecting with somebody and, and solving your, your problems there, figuring out putting it on the map, right? Putting it on the whiteboard and saying, this is, this is something we got to look at. I think that's number one. Um, you know, the meditation, uh, yeah, hundred uh, percent. That's something I just do daily. And I think without that, it would have been definitely a lot of issues there. Um, you know, outdoor activities. So I do a lot of like uh, hikes and, and surfing and things like that. When I was surfing, I done it a couple months, but um, you know, believe it or not, like rock climbing, things that involve some sort of, um, Thinking, but but non-thinking or anal- an analysis, right? So not where you're like at work, but something that involves some intricacy that you can get your mind off of, of, of things, but still use it in a different way, I think was, was key. Um, and I scaled back, you know, by having more of a schedule. I think I, I like what you said about the eight to five, because I think that's so true. It's just time management. And then saying, you know, I'm going to give this thing this much time and I'm, I block my, my times out now in the, in the morning, I think to any, for any opportunity for anybody that wants to do anything meaningful, I think it is blocking time out, right. And saying, I'm going to do, you know, this, this reading and writing for about three hours. And then I'm going to, I'm going to stop doing that. And then, well, you're not scattered. So I think time blocking has been big for me and just finding that throughout the day and, that way I can give that concentrated effort to it and then, you know, being, being happy. And I think I can't leave without saying um, less is more, you know, mm-hmm. I think, um, I think that's been a big find for me in 2021. I was running around and scattering energy in like 10 different things. And then one by one, I just started taking things out and, and I said, oh, not this one. And if it wasn't something that I was truly in or invested in, I just stopped doing it. And then I found myself pursuing the things I really liked. And I, and I think that's key. I think less is more and, and time blocking is, is the way to do it. Growing up in Virginia, did you kind of fall in love with the nature, like the hiking and climbing? Or how did that kind of come about in your life? You know, I, I noticed that when I, when I was younger, I did do a lot of that. Now, whether I you know appreciate it or not is a different story, but I think... I got into surfing when I moved out here during the pandemic. And after a few, about five or six times, I noticed that I was feeling a lot better. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I just, I didn't know how to describe it, but there was like that mental chatter had slowed down a little bit. And I was like, Oh man, this is, this is really cool. Like what's going on with that. Right. And I started looking into like the research behind it. Lo and behold, there was so much research about how beneficial it was. And I just remember noticing like that that's got to be something that's got to happen now, you know, where before I didn't appreciate or know it as much, but then I did my research on it. And I think it's so important to, to get outdoors and get off of the phone and, and the technology and just, just chill and let your mind, you know, just, just relax. You know, that's, you come back and you're just so much better, so much stronger. Um, I think that's human beings. This is what we're meant to do, man. You know, just mm-hmm. you know, get outdoors and, and do stuff and expend that energy. Um, that's that's what kind of makes us feel alive again. And that's when I noticed it, man. I think it was the surfing that did it for me. Do you have a dream destination you want to surf at in the future? Man, um, you know, I'm not that good. I'll be <laughs> I'll be honest. So it'll it'll you know, uh went to Hawaii and that was uh that was interesting to say the least, but, um, you know, I mean, 
I think going to any, any other island in Hawaii, I would probably be, like, go check it out, you know? So maybe, um, so I went to Maui, so maybe some of the other, other islands there would be cool. See, I look, I'm from the Midwest, and but I always tell family, we're going to the beach. We're going somewhere where there's water. And I just love being on the water. It's just relaxing to me and just like an escape in a way. I was in... Where oh Daytona Beach uh, this past summer and or fall and I was riding a jet ski and I'm just like looking at all these boats and all these people on jet skis and stuff and just like I wish I was here full time in a way because it's just relaxing and stuff and do you feel that way when you're on that surfboard it's kind of like wow like look at all this nate or not nate well nature but just the environment that you're in it's kind of breathtaking in a way 100 percent. i think the study was done on um the amount of awe that it you know causes you to feel is is what's key and yeah man 100 percent. you know going out and seeing the sunset you see you're seeing the, the pelicans flying over over top of you and then you know birds dives in a few you know yards away trying to get some fish and you're like wow yeah. man this is this is awesome and you you can't help but you know be there in that moment because you can't think about anything else because there's like a big wave about to come and you got to be present and that's awesome right because that's where you are alive and you're in that moment and then you come back and you start to realize man like what was i stressing about what were the things <laughs> yeah. that were on my mind that was so important and that is like the key because the more and more we are stressed, the less optimal we are, right? And in, in, in performance and in our lives and showing up. So, oh yeah, hundred percent, man. I think, I think for anybody just get out there and, uh, you know, even if it's 10 minutes once a week, anything helps. I totally agree. You are a podcast host. What made you want to start that? And what's kind of the big message that you're wanting to share with a listener that, take us a listen at your show. Yeah. Thanks, man. A podcast called the takeaways podcast. And I rebranded it originally from a value verse podcast, which was more story-based. And I went to kind of more like the expert bites and the um, principles, lessons, and learning things that you take from, from the pros there, right? What are they, what, what do I have to do to learn this X the fastest or what, what does this thing provide here that I didn't know about? What are the mistakes that I can avoid if I'm pursuing um, A, B, or C, right? And I think just just like, uh, you know, di- information that's easily digestible and, and to take away from and to apply. I think that was the, the most important aspect of the show was just, you know, giving that um, the truth behind stuff, right? So getting into a little bit of the story and then um, focusing on some of the things that I kind of wanted to take away from it because I, I tried so many different ways. I, I don't know if you experienced it, but you try to appeal to everybody, right? And try to figure out what's the best thing I can talk about. It's like, what are the things that you like talking about and that you want to learn from? And I think the right people will come and listen to that and, and they'll find you and they'll say, well, I like that stuff too. So I think for me, it was just learning and hearing these people's awesome, you know, things that they can teach me and others. I Yes, I can relate to that where my show is so not, broad or it's very broad it's not like a certain target audience but I try to find different guests with different backgrounds that are unique that can hit a certain market and I even ask some of my friends and I go if you were listening to an episode what would you want that guest to be talking about and so I would get like information and then I try to go out and find those guests because I there's other people that are probably going to want to hear the same thing and I'm not sticking to certain things because I always view that everyone has a story some people like to share it some people don't share it but they're willing to come on and help and share their story to other people that are listening and I just get a joy out of it no matter even it's like I know I'm not in the fitness industry but I love learning people that are in that because they can utilize a skill that I can utilize in my life and the industry that I'm in. So it's kind of like we can relate, but even though we're completely different people, but you just enjoy more out of it. I agree. agree. What's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself being a host? One of the biggest things I've learned was, I think, man, there's so so many that I've, I've conjured up there. I think as a host, the, 
I learned that to, you know, get to the heart of the matter, I think. So asking the right questions um, and, and getting them to get, feel, making the guests feel comfortable to, to answer those questions uh, and to get to uh, the calibrated ones, right. That the ones that kind of aim at getting the best response, right. In that, in that aspect, because before I, I kind of would go in unprepared, I didn't know really what to ask. And then I would let it kind of flow from there. But I think is like, what is the thing that I can use in, in life in the real mm-hmm. world text, you know, like real world example um, and hands on. I think that was the most important thing I learned. I was like, if you ask, you know, the, the vague questions, you're going to get vague answers. So what is this something that you can take away and apply? Right. And I think that's what I learned the most. And that's what kind of allowed for that change to happen. Do you feel that the skills that you learned from trying to be an actor or being in an acting industry, that it's helped you be on camera or speaking to other people and kind of talking to an audience in a way? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Being being audience tuned is was key in, in, in theater, and I think that it it definitely came um, that way on on podcasting as well. What I like about podcasting though is it's it's more of a conversation and it's it's more open, right, or open dialogue and free. So I really like that because someone can just kind of listen in and mm-hmm. rather than you know pay attention to a structured performance, you know, it's like oh, I'm learning from this thing that they're talking about. I'm learning from this thing. And I think that it allows for the person to learn what they want to learn from it. And and that's what I I really liked about it. So it did help um, kind of breaking the ice a little bit quicker and and not being um, bound by my nerves. Like I was in the first, I want to say 10 episodes. (laughs) So, and then uh, you learn like to be a, a, you know, a tech on the job too, because you have to like make sure these plugged in pretty sure i don't know if you ever had some uh, fun adventures with uh, some of the equipment but um you know it, it helped in that regard to think on the spot and improvise it's all about adaptability when it comes to that because i definitely can relate with experience especially with zoom calls where you have people even in other countries and it's like internet issues what's their weather like what's my weather like am i going to get yeah. disconnected but you learn from it and you work on getting better but i'm so I I don't like, I go basic with it. Like even the editing part, it's like, I'm not like dissecting every second or if there's like someone's car going off behind, I'm like, leave it. It makes it entertaining for someone because someone will be like, what's that car in the background? Are they driving at the same time if they're just listening? But I, I just have fun with it. Is there a topic or a guest or someone that is your future goal to have or something that you want to talk about to your audience? I think any, anyone that can provide, you know, insight, I think is key. So anyone in like the you know, business world or a teachable skill, they can pass along in, in their journey. And I think everybody has something to teach there. So, um, you know, the business side, I, I love, strategy. I love um, human performance, uh, you know, self-improvement. So anything that falls into these categories, I'm usually very, you know, drawn to. So if you have something that you went through and it's a story and it doesn't have to be making a ton of money or accomplishing something that's, you know, known by many people or, or you have to be famous, it's just something that you overcame and what did you learn from it? And now we can pass it to somebody and save them time. I think one of the most important things that we're coming up on is the value of time, right? And one thing I try to stay true to in that show is to is to provide that to save people time and, and provide value in that time so that they can they can get something from it. So anyone that that has something that they went through and can save somebody some heartache and pain, that's a win. I like that. I definitely like that. What made you want to start writing a book or become an author? What was, I, what was that vision that you had? Man, it's a great question. Um, it goes back to what we were talking about before, where I don't know if you went. So the pandemic happened, right? And a little bit before the pandemic, I was like, man, this, it, I can't just, just train and that's it. So a part of me wanted to kind of leave something behind, right? So a little bit more of a legacy driven, right? So it's like, uh, if I do leave, 
when I leave one day, I can look back and say, I, I left something that was of, of good mention. So I think I went through this phase where I was, you know, I had, I was trying to do the social media thing and I was trying to do the, the video route. And um, I couldn't really find the medium in which to express that. And uh, I landed on podcasting through the pandemic where it was something that I, I just wanted to do. So it's like, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. Mm-hmm. I have all the time in the world and is now the time to brainstorm and, and get it done. And then I had uh, been writing a few different books and just kind of writing every day. So I was building the habit of writing. So I'd taken some screenwriting classes when I was into acting and I'd never really pursued that. So that kind of taught me some things. And then I kind of just, you know, did my own thing with it. Then I said, you know, I, I tried, I, I still write blogs, but I started writing other things. And then I was like, man, you know, why don't you write about some of the things that, you know, and I was like, man, I, I've worked so many years in working out and, and training. I was like, I'm, I'm going to put everything I know or that I've learned into this book, you know? And so I, I came up with, you know, so many different ideas. And I thought, what are the things that you've learned that were, that guided you along the way? Right. Um, so it kind of ties in everything about me, which is, I love learning the principles or the laws of things, right. Why things happen, you know, what makes them happen and, you know, what in a world that's always changing, what doesn't change, what always stays the same, right. Or what can be something that you can apply consistently. So I, I called it the, um, the 10 undisputed laws of fitness success, right. So it's the 10 things that you can follow, um, that don't change about human beings, really, you know, nutrition, um, you know, adaptation, right. These, these things have to happen, right. You got to adapt, you got to eat, good food and um you have to know competition which is another law so all three of those are laws right and that's what kind of gave me the idea i said man and i I know the stuff so i said i'm just going to write about that i'm going to write about what i know what i like what's easy for me to write and then because i was dabbling in so much i said what's what's the one thing that matters the most man i said well so writing a book so well then do that when someone looks at I guess the fitness industry with content that's out there there's so many videos and it's hard to know okay does that really person know what they're talking about can they really trust that value that they're sharing what makes you stand out where someone's looking at the stuff that you're doing if they read the book that they're like I can see that he knows what he's talking about you know I think that's so important and it's a great question. It's so important to look at people's credibility these days, right? Um, with so many influencers and, and people that are, like you said, everyone's a trainer, right? So it's, and things that work for them, which is sometimes anecdotal. And it's great. And everything has its purpose. And it's not to knock any of the influencers as well. I think they're all, everyone's doing a great job at pushing, you know, people to be healthier. I think is ultimately the goal. So um, I think, you know, with about, I want to say, you know, four and a half, about 12 years experience in, in fitness, you know, owning five or six gyms, you know, 10 personal training certifications. I've, uh, I've, I've got a lot of things that I've learned and I still have so much more to learn, you know, um, is it's, it's changing all the time. I think looking at someone's experience and, um, will help build credibility. I think that's, that's key. So, um, going through it as working out on my own and, and training others and then, you know, building businesses on top of that, I think is what makes something somewhat credible, right? It's, um, I know it like the back of my head, as you can say, right. So, but at the same time, I still have much more to learn. So you're never really a master, but you kind of, um, you've learned things and now it's like about continuous learning. Right. So I think anyone that has, I want to say over two or three years of experience of, of teaching it is someone worth listening to, you know. I think that concept works in any industry, even those high CEOs and big businesses, they're always learning because yes, they might know what they're doing, but things are changing over time and that they have to adapt and learn. How do we grow even more? So I like how you said that where you're still growing, you're still learning so that you can give even more value to the customers or the readers or the listeners that are taking advantage of what you're offering. 
hundred percent. And I think, you know, doing that for, for so long gave me, you know, I went through all the mistakes, right. I saw all things I did wrong. And then, then I became a trainer. Then I was able to save people time from making those same mistakes and get them results. And I think someone that has proven what they've learned, I think is key. And I, in every field, right. It's like, okay, you're this person. Let me see what you've done. Mm-hmm. And if you've done it, it's like, okay, cool. Can have you repeated doing it? Yes, you have. That's awesome. And then um, having that ability to teach it so that a five-year-old can understand is key because you don't want to be this expert that's no one can learn from, you know? In your book, you talked about 10 rules or 10 laws that people should listen to or focus on. What would, out of those 10, what's your number one that everyone should be doing? Man, you know, the laws serve as kind of things that, that are present in fitness. Right. And I think, man, I think the number one thing that people should get used to is, you know, the last chapter is the law of change, right? So things are always changing. And I think adapting and, and understanding change and disruption is one of the most important things you can do. So change uh, happens in the gym, but the, the law kind of urges you to look at change as beyond working out, right? Because fitness, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, but fitness is life for me, right? So it's, <laughs> it means that, you know, you're literally becoming fit, not just to look good in the gym mirror or, you know, the bathroom mirror, it's to look good and to do good in life, right? To be fit for life. And, and that's, life is, is you know, a game or a challenge or an obstacle that you're, you're going through and you're learning things as you go. And whether or not you have the tools to overcome the next thing or learn to do is based on, you know, what you've learned and what you're learning now and, and how you adapt to change it because it's always happening. So I think um, that that's important is to be flexible enough to move with change and to understand it and to adapt with it and learn as you go and, um, you know, be open-minded to what that process looks like. Um, adaptation is super important. So that's, that's one of them as well. Um, you know, competition, right. Um, I would say it's something that is looked upon in an interesting, you know, in a different light, but you know, it's happening all around us. And I think understanding how that applies to you is key, right. How do you stay valuable in a competitive job market or in, in, you know, in your life to, to push yourself to become better and to become stronger and in a healthy way, not in like a, I gotta, you know, beat such and such it's, it's, you know, it's about beating you and it's about becoming a better version of yourself by, by fighting the version there, the older version that doesn't want to do that. It's lazy or tired or whatever that is. And, and the competition brings it out of you, you know, in a healthy way, if you let it, it can get unhealthy, but it's supposed to be a good thing. And I think, um, you know, there's so many more that, that I've had, uh, you know, the law of nutrition is important because, or the law of energy is because, you know, we we're limited in our energy that we have to give. So, um, what you put in your body and what you eat and how you sleep and how you, you know, what you do to stay in optimal performance is key. So I think those stand out for me the most because they're, they're constants. They're just, they're always repeating. So what do you hope to accomplish in the next few years, personally and professionally? What are those goals that you have set for yourself? You know, I think getting this book done before I rip my hair out would be, <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's definitely up there. I mean, I don't know if you got your hand in writing before, but sometimes I'm like, man, I, I just really, want a little break right now and you just have to you just have to do it there's no other way it's the research the writing has to happen so i think number one is getting this book done and it's about a couple pages away so then it's it'll be be over actually the time of this recording i think once it comes out it's finished yeah yes so it'll actually it is finished right and then i think um i have a few things on my mind this year as far as understanding more um investments right more financial investments and uh learning how to make, you know, money work for you, um, which is key, which I've, which I've learned, but learning more of that's always good. And I think three, um, an athletic event of some sort that I haven't decided on. Um, I do one a year just to push myself. So I'm teetering on the lines of an Ironman or this really nutty thing that I don't think I'm, I can do or I want to do. Uh, it's seven marathons in seven days. 
<laughs> so I, I'm just like, don't do it, man. Please don't do it. So I, I don't think I want to do that. But the Iron Man is something that I'm, I'm entertaining a little bit. So I can't make any promises, though. People that are listening, they're probably going to laugh at what I'm about to say. But you talked about those kind of races. I see these, I get these ads for these inflatable obstacle course races. And I'm like, those are the only type of ones I could do. Because one, I love those like, in, uh, what are they called? Adventure parks kind of things. And they just look so fun. But I could keep that energy because I was a kid that loved the trampoline. And then I see like these Spartan races, Tough Mudders. And I'm like, okay, they're fun, but I got to start training like years ago <laughs> to get ready for it. But those are kind of things that I kind of are challenging myself towards because I want to be able to say, I did this. And I have friends that are, have done Tough Mudders and they're like, why don't you join? I go, I wasn't confident at that time to do it. But now, like I, I talked about earlier, where I made those changes, I've been on a year long journey. I'm like, I could do this now. But it starts mentally. You have to be mentally there to do it. And it's just, those sound fun. I mean, it's a fun challenge. It's not like there's a gold medal on the line, but if there was, okay, that's a different story. But <laughs> yeah, no, and I, and I think that's exactly why I did it, man. Um, I did it because they were, I could say that I finished it. I, honestly, I'll be 100% transparent. I'm like, I just want the t-shirt and the medal. <laughs> and, and that's, that was it. And, and I was like, okay, cool. If you want that, you got to go earn it. Right. Yep. And, but I put that, I use that because, you know, the ego wants to come in and say, well, I want that medal. I'm like, well, you can't just go buy it. You got to go like, go yep. through it. And I, so that's why I pushed myself to do was like, if you want this thing and to be able to say that you did it, then you got to go and do the, I'm like, all right, it's worth it now. That last year I pushed my, I did a, I did a marathon last year, my first one ever. And, you know, wow, that was an experience in and of itself, but the, I've done about eight Spartan races and, you know, it started when this person, well, I had a client who pushed me and said, you know, we're going to do this charity run. It was for multiple sclerosis. It's called a muck run. And um, I've never was an outdoor person. And I, I did that one. I was muddy. I was a mess. I hated it. But then, you know, after a while, I, I, I was thinking back on it. I was like, man, it was really fun. I liked it. And that's what got me into the Spartan race, believe it or not. But it took somebody to force me to do it, which mm -hmm. opened up, you know, a big thing for me there. So, um, yeah, I encourage it. I think everyone should try it and, and start small. Like they have tough mutters that are like three miles. I did those in the beginning. I did like the three mile, five mile ones. And I was like, all right, let's do the full. And man, that was, that was definitely an eye opener. I mean, the electricity and everything. I mean, it's, it's good times, but um, I started getting my feet wet with the smaller ones to, to build that courage to do the bigger ones. And I, I love them. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? You know, the number one thing I say is never stop showing up, you know, consistently, consistently show up. If you just do that, you'll, you'll figure out so many things, right? So no matter what happens, just pick up, you know, and dust yourself off and, and get up again, again and again, and, and just get, get used to that repetition. I think once you do that, You'll learn so much in that. Mm -hmm. um, number two, I think, you know, learning from, you know, things that, that didn't go well or, or that you didn't plan on happening, I think is key. I, th I got to kind of where I got to because I, I used every single opportunity that, that, you know, wasn't going right. Or even it was my thinking, my thoughts was to, how can I learn from this experience and how can I apply what I learned? and and get serious about that process to actually improve and to and to move along and move forward um i think that that was key so showing up improvement um information you know get get knowledge get read you know take in taking good good books things that you want to learn that excite you about learning not not that you should read but things you want to read and just taking info and, and never stop learning you know never stop um, taking in things that, that excite you and that you want to learn from. I think being a continuous learner and showing up consistently and improving on things that you didn't know or that you're going to know or going to find out is, is three things that 
I've never failed me. I've never, you know, gotten nowhere because I stopped showing up, you know, and, or, or, or started showing, or, you know, showing up more. I think showing up more only got me closer to the goal. If that makes sense, right? Improvement only allowed me to learn when things went wrong. Because if you keep repeating things that go wrong, and you won't get anywhere, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. you got you to gotta learn from the things you did that didn't work for you and stop doing them. And, you know, number three, I think, um, you know, I say, I said improvement, learn, learning, right? This is reading, reading, getting information in and um, reading good books, getting whatever that looks like for you, education, podcasts, you know, and, and write things down and apply them, right? So I think the last step I'd say is apply what you learn, yeah. Well, Colin, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thank you so much for having me on and I'm looking forward to collaborating and having you on the Takeaways podcast as well. So thanks again. Tune in next time you hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full length episode in video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.